Good to see everyone here today. How everybody? Uh, I hope everybody's doing well and uh, just feeling good. But you know, more than that, we just hope that God blesses you today and touches our lives today as we meet in God's house. Amen. Love coming to church. Been coming to church a long, long, long time. Never get tired of it. Amen. Because I love the people that come here. In fact, my wife and I love church so much, we're always the last to leave. Anyways, no, just kidding. Uh, but good to see everyone here today. How many just love to worship the Lord? How many believe that you've got something to say, amen, this morning? You've got a song to sing. You've got some words to tell God this morning. I don't know about you, but I feel like just telling the Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like, I can't say that enough, amen. When you think of God's mercy and God's love in your life, I mean, that's all you can say. Is like, why did you do what you did for me? And why do you keep doing for me what you keep doing for me? How many believe that? Amen. How many are thankful for the, the love of God, the mercy of God, the goodness of God? It just keeps going, doesn't it? Amen. The Bible says it's just brand spanking new every morning. Amen. Love that. Love that about the Lord. How many know you got some relatives that can't be nice just one week? But God's mercy is ever never ending. Amen. God's love is never ending. Amen. I love that about the Lord. Amen. I heard a quote recently, just to, actually this week, and I loved it so much. It said that the devil knows your name and he calls you by your sin. But God knows your sin and he calls you by name. Amen. Aren't you glad that God still knows you, everything about you, and he still says, come, amen, amen, in the midst of my sin and confusion at 16 years old, the Lord said, come, come to me, those that are heavy, amen, that are burdensome with sin, and I'm going to give you rest, amen. I'm going to be thankful for that. Amen. So the devil can say your name all he wants to. Amen. But God, amen, is with us. And God has a plan for our lives. And God is moving in amazing ways that we'll just, amen, look and see. Amen. And so I want to encourage you today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. But be encouraged. God can get you through it. Amen. I said, God can get you through it. I know a lot of people are praying and you're just praying. And, you know, some people have just told me, said, well, Pastor Matt, there's just so many unanswered prayers in my life. You know, how many know that might be a good thing? Wow, I lost you on that one already. We just started. I just lost you on that one. Amen, right? How many unanswered prayer may be a good thing? How many know Jesus prayed in the garden, Lord, uh, let this cup pass from me? How many know that's one unanswered prayer? We thank God, amen, that what it wasn't answered. So, I mean, come on. So some of us are complaining about unanswered prayer. And some of us need to say, you know what? Lord, thank you that maybe some of my prayers that aren't answered may be a good thing. Amen. So I want to encourage you today. Some of you need to, amen, I know you're happy. You just need to notify your face and tell somebody else about it. Amen. We're in church, not in a funeral home, but it's good to see those. Uh, I know some people are visiting today and uh, from out of town, some friends and family. And we just, uh, so good to see you today. Um, and when we've been kind of just uh, going to continue in this series, amen, generation to generation, we call it gen to gen, and, uh, and so I just wanted to get into it this morning. Uh, before I do, real quick, I want to mention there are a lot of good things coming up, of course, next week, and then, of course, our Harvest Festival, and then some other things in the holidays. we got a lot of good things coming up and everything. One of the things that's important is, as Brother Anthony's, you know, up here giving in the announcements and stuff, just have your phone out or whatever you take, however you take notes or whatever, just get your... You know, put it on your calendar right away. That's the best thing to do, right? So I know there's sometimes when we get busy and everything, we don't do that. But the best thing to do is when you hear those announcements in church, put it on your phone. You know, make a note. I'll be there. Respond to that on uh, 
the, the app or whatever. And uh, that's just so good because, uh, you know, that whether it's a men, women's meeting, whatever it is, an event in the church, uh, you just won't forget. You have it there. You have the information. And I really appreciate the team that go through the extra steps to do the details, you know. And so when you go online and you want to sign up and all the details are there, everything you need to know is right there. So they go through a lot of work to do that. And I really appreciate that. They really take the time to do that. And so we're really working hard and making things very clear, right? Our events, very simple, very clear to sign up. And uh, the second thing I wanted to say is that if you have an iPhone and you take notes on your phone, um, there's actually, I don't know if you knew this, I just kind of figured this out a little while ago. So if you open up your notes and at the bottom there's like this little camera uh, icon, if you hit that camera icon, point it at the screen and it says scan text. If you do that, it'll actually scan all the words and text on there and put it right in your phone. And so we have PowerPoint, so if you want to follow along, all you got to do is just open your notes, hit that camera app, and then hit scan text, point it at the screen. You might have to zoom in a little bit, and it'll copy exactly what's on the screen, okay? So then that's just an easy way to cheat. And then you can kind of take notes to, to go along there. It's great. So it's, I don't know what Android, what they do there, uh, but... Um, uh, but that's what Apple does. So anyway, so I want to just uh, open up with the scripture one, uh, in Psalms 145 in our text. We're going to say a little things and I'm going to pray. And I just was prompted to just share something this morning that goes along with uh, the message. And I just um, felt prompted to do it. And I just felt it would be an encouragement. But in Psalms 145, verse 4, it says, One generation commends your works to another generation. They tell of your mighty acts. The words and the covenant are passed down from one generation to the next generation. Amen. And so, um, in Psalm 145. And then we read also where it says that we, we, we don't hold back, but we we uh, kind of uh, give your promises or give your commandments to the next generation. So how many believe that God's promises go from generation to generation? Amen. From generation to generation, God keeps his covenant. Amen. And so that we were sharing last week about, amen, that uh, first of all, a couple weeks ago, we shared about how it's important to be a generational church. Um, It's not just to focus on this generation or even the next generation, but multiple generations at the same time working and serving and building together. Amen. That we can have a strong generational church in the earth. How many believe that's God's plan? It's always been God's plan. Amen. And God has always gone back two or three generations deep and, and, and said, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but then we see in the Old Testament where God said, you know what, my promises aren't just for three generations or four generations, they're for a thousand generations, amen, and they just keep going and keep going and keep going. I don't know about you, but I want to see my great, great, great grandchildren know the Lord, walk in his goodness, walk in his promise, walk in the covenant of God, know their creator, know their God, and let their generation know that he's the God that saves, amen, how many want that in their life, amen? And so we talked about that. We talked about walking in the purpose of God and the covenant of God together and uh, really building a generational church. We'll get into that in a couple weeks. But uh, last week, I really felt it was important not just to talk about making the connection between the generations, but keeping the church moving. That's one of the things that the Lord emphasizes in the Old and New Testament is we got to keep the church moving. Amen. It's not enough that one generation gets saved and born again and baptized and they get blessed, but this thing needs to keep going from generation to generation to generation. How many know? Because babies keep being born. 
right? And people keep dying, amen. And as long as that's happening, amen, the promise of God needs to keep going, amen. And so we got to do that. And so we talked last week about keeping the church moving and how do we do that, what that looks like. We talked about three things, sowing, growing, and going. And uh, we talked those th- about how the church moves through those things. And this week, I just want to finish up on part two of that, keeping the church moving. But there's kind of a little bit of a illustration I want to give this morning before we pray. And, um, you know, I thought about my my parents aren't here today, but of course, you know that my parents, uh, uh, pastors Wayne and Margaret, are the founding pastors of the church back in the 60s. Uh, Really, we were started, incorporated in 74. And uh, and so they kind of the founding pastors. But, you know, they really started, um, met a co-worker, really, that my dad worked with and and, uh, started, really felt like God's doing something and God was calling them to plant a church. And they started a Bible study in the home of a young couple, Harry and Sandy Omer, and, and she's here actually still today and with us, and they started that way back. They got married in 65, and just a young family, they just started, and started this Bible study in their basement, and, and uh, you know, they had five kids, and, and, and Harry and Sandy, and every one of those kids are born again and baptized in Jesus' name, amen. Isn't that great? What a legacy of faith. But, you know, one of the things that's cool about that is they had their youngest son, Steve. Uh, you know, he got, you know, got, came up through the youth group, of course, and through the church. And he uh, married this great Christian girl from Ohio and uh, doesn't like Penn State yet, but we're going to get there. And, uh, you know, and, and Lori. And so they, they fell in love. They got married. They had five or six kids. And, and uh, you know, their, their oldest son, uh, Isaac, uh, just was coming up to the youth group, and, and God was using him, loved God, and he met a great Christian girl uh, in our youth group, in our church, Lydia, and came from a great home, and they fell in love, they got married, and then just last month, we dedicated their oldest child, Jackson, amen. How many know that's pretty good, isn't it? Generation to generation, amen. The blessing of the Lord, the legacy of faith, and we just see four generations of godliness in the earth, and, and isn't that amazing? I love that. But how do we know the story keeps going? Because in this basement, as a young couple, Harry and Sandy, there were some friends of theirs that came to this meeting, and, and their names were Ray and Paula, and they loved God, and they were so on fire for the Lord, and they just were witnessing machines, and they loved God, and, and uh, they had four kids, and all those kids were saved and baptized. Isn't that great? Amen? And, and their second oldest, Brent, and he, he met this great Christian girl in the area. They loved, fell in love. They got married and uh, just started having kids and ended up raising four kids and and uh, just amazing it's, it's just a tremendous legacy and and their oldest daughter Kate was coming to the youth group and she's coming up through the youth group and she kind of noticed this young man that was you know playing the guitar and leading worship and his name was John and you know they fell in love you know and they got married and they had kids and their oldest kid is attending the youth group and I had the privilege of baptizing him a little while ago amen Isn't that great I mean what a legacy of faith what a legacy and, and a generation, a generation of the blessing of the Lord where, um, you know, we're just passing it on on the, the promise of God, of salvation and holiness and uh, uh, provision of the Lord. Amen. But how many know it gets better? doesn't stop there. Because in that little basement, in that Bible study, not only did Ray and Paula come to that, but she had a neighbor that didn't know the Lord. Her name was Sonia. She didn't know the Lord, right? And so here, Paul witnesses to her. She gets saved. She ends up having nine kids. I mean, you know, she's, I mean, it's, it's crazy, right? The big family. So she brings her family to church. 
she brings her family to church and she's here today. I mean, and, uh, you know, and, and three of her daughters are at our church. Grandkids are at our church. Her great-granddaughter is in our church. Amen. And uh, isn't that amazing? In fact, one of her granddaughters, amen, met a great Christian guy in our church and they're getting married in February. Isn't that neat? Amen. What a legacy of faith. Sonia had a daughter and their youngest daughter, Sherry Lee. She came up through the youth group. She became a youth leader and really on fire for the Lord. She met this dashing pastor's son, talented pastor's son named Mark. And he was leading uh, worship in our youth group and helping out with the ministry. They become youth leaders. They fall in love. They get married. And they have three beautiful daughters. And, and, and the next thing you know, four beautiful daughters, sorry. And the next thing you know, they all get saved and baptized. Isn't that great? So all their kids are saved and baptized because it was now they, uh, their, their oldest is going to youth group. And so she goes to youth group because, you know, her mom really came into the faith at a young age. Because her mom came into the faith at a young age. Because her neighbor witnessed to her. Because her friends were having a Bible study in a basement because someone was called to start a church. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? How do you know it doesn't stop there? Right? And so not only did this, uh, you know, this couple, Ray and Paula, come to this Bible study, and then they witnessed to their neighbor, but then Sonia had this sister, Sharon, and, and she married this crazy guy, Owen, and Owen and Sharon get married, and they come to our church, yeah, and they got four kids that are saved, and they all get baptized, isn't it amazing? These kids get saved and baptized, and then their youngest son, you know, Justin, he's coming up to the youth group, and, you know, he just really loves God, and then just meets this uh, girl named Melanie, takes his breath away, they fall in love. They get married, right? And, and they have five children, amen. And last month, I had the privilege of baptizing two of their youngest daughters, amen. And so isn't that great? What a legacy of faith. What a generational blessing. And so you may be sitting here today and you say, well, I'm just new to this thing. And I'm probably the first person in my family to get married. But you know what? The blessing is starting with you. The generation to generation starts with you. And some of you are just like, well, I didn't have that and I didn't grow up in church. It doesn't matter. When you come in covenant with God, when you come in that blessing of the Lord, it goes from you on all the way down. Amen? And so those stories aren't about being a part of River Valley Church. Because a lot of those people involved in that story, they're not here, but they're serving God, they're loving God, they're believers, and they're going to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It's about generational blessing, isn't it? It's from generation to generation. How many believe that? Amen? And we got to keep the church moving in this generational blessing. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, amen, for that long exhortation, and, and, and Lord, and all those stories, and all those people that are involved, but what a testimony. And that's just a testimony of what you want to do with just, just a few people. How many more families are here because of it? Three and four generations, amen, of Christians that are even here in this room today. Amen. They represent their family, Lord, of a family that's serving God. This generational blessing is real. It's a, it's a real thing. And we want to get a hold of it as a church. We don't want to just be satisfied to say, oh, I'm, I'm born again and I know the Lord. And, and I'll let everybody else just find their own way. Lord, I have an obligation. And a serious responsibility to pass down and pass on that which you've given to me. So, Lord, we pray that the word would just encourage us, inspire us, and build our faith today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. 
So those of you that are going to the growth track in the next couple of weeks, that's just a little snapshot. We're going to get into our history and, and those families that I mentioned, they're all part of our history and so many more. We could talk about the Fishers and the Douglases and the Weinbergs and this and that and everything and the Allisons and everybody else. But I mean, there's so many other people that are here that are part of this story and we're so thankful for that. And we're so thankful to, that you're here today, that you have this opportunity to hear, Lord, how can I, amen, uh, keep this blessing going? How can I keep this generational blessing going? I know there's a lot of teaching out there and there's a lot of YouTube videos on generational curses and breaking curses in your family, but you know, you just need to indulge in videos that talk about the generational blessing. How I many you know? Because the blessing of the Lord outweighs any curse that's ever been in your family. Amen. The blessing of the Lord is going to touch, amen, multiple, multiple generations more than any curse can. Come on, amen. It's more powerful than any curse. So focus on the blessing that's in your generation, not the curse that's in your generation. Amen. But one of the things we talked about is uh, I want to get into today is really keeping the church moving, keeping that church moving. Amen. You know, when you think about the ministry of Jesus and you think about uh, when Jesus ascended into heaven, by the time he ascended into heaven, if you really want to think about it, and this isn't being disrespectful in any way, but if you want to think about it, there wasn't too many achievements. Now, the Bible says, I believe it's in John's gospel, it says that... Um, uh, it says that if you were to record everything that Jesus did, that all the books in the, in the world and all the libraries in the world would not be able to contain the books of it, right? So we know Jesus did a lot of stuff. But ultimately, there was 12 people, and some of them were a little unstable, to say the least, right? We didn't know they're going to stick around or not, right? And so we would have looked at that and said, okay, you had your 70, you got your 120, there's people in the upper room. But, but how many know it's what Jesus left with them? It's the legacy that he left. It's the teachings that he left with them. It's called discipleship. Amen? And how many know what he left with them, amen, had impacted and had, had, had this rippling effect in such a way that today one-third of the world's population believes in Jesus Christ. Amen? How many know that's a good legacy to leave? Amen? But he started something. And that's how he kept the church moving, by what he started, by the principles that he gave. And one of the key words that I want to focus on, the principles I'm going to focus on right now and give you four principles to that, and that is discipleship, right? So discipleship. And so when we talk about discipleship, we talk about teaching and mentoring, uh, equipping and releasing, and we talk about multiplying, multiplication. These are the principles of discipleship. I don't have time to get into all of them and, 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 and adequately really describe all of them the way the Bible does, but we're going hit a, a few today. Um, one of the things that we see with, with uh, keeping the church moving and the, the whole process of being a generational church and the blessing going from generation to generation is teaching, teaching and training. How many know that teaching and training is essential to Christianity, right? How many know it's essential to parenting? Right? So we need it in parenting, we need it in Christianity, we need it in the church. It's essential, and so it's a way of life to the believer. Teaching and training is a way of life to every believer. Did you know that, right? How many know that not, along with teaching and training, you need learning and listening? So those are good skills. But it's a teaching and training. And so when you come to Jesus immediately, what does Jesus say to the disciples? Amen. Drop everything, follow me. And be my disciples. And immediately, what do they do? They come under his tutelage. They come under him as the teacher. He begins to teach them. He begins to teach them. How many, 
have read the teachings of Jesus recently. And I want to challenge you, man, just take the, open up the new year as we're coming into it uh, and just say, you know what, I'm just going to focus on the Gospels this year. I'm going to just get into the teachings of Jesus. You'll be surprised how, how much revelation, knowledge, and love for God comes forth. Anyways, so the teaching and training. And so as Christians and as parents and as a church, it is essential to what we're doing. It's not a side issue. It is essential. You have to have it. Amen. How many know that the direction and health of a church is based on teaching and training? Anybody? The health of a church, the growth of a church, the direction of a church. Now, I need to throw this in. Good teaching. Good training. Because Paul warned and said there's going to be some teachers, but they're not good teachers. They're false teachers. So, uh, the health of a church goes on good teaching, right? Amen. And how many know you can never go wrong when you're teaching God's word and the principles of God's word? So teaching and training, and that's part of it. And so as our church, River Valley, we're really going to get into ways that we can really teach and train more. How, how right now uh, the children are downstairs, they're learning about the Lord, learning about things of God. Amen. On Thursday night, the young people are learning about God, and, we, and we've got some other things going on. And so we want to really develop this as a church, that we need to be a church that's teaching and training. People say, well, I've got uh, teaching from one person one day a week, and that is when I go to church. But how many know it needs to be a lifestyle of teaching, right, and training and learning and listening, amen, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Notice this, the Great Commission was about teaching. Did you know that? The Great Commission was about teaching, right? So, um, the Bible says that, you know, talked about presenting the gospel to this generation and teaching the ways of God. Go into all the world, make disciples, and what? Teach all nations. Did you know that every one of us have that responsibility and call on our lives to go to all nations and teach all nations? That's a big job, isn't it? That's a big job, isn't it? Amen. And so this, this was part of the Great Commission. And part of the mission of Jesus is teaching and training, teaching people about the Lord and the ways of God. Amen. And so you'll see it in the book of Acts. Uh, all through, uh, it was all about the teachings of the apostles. The Bible says they got together, they prayed, they had communion, they, they, they uh, worshiped, they, they did all these things. And they focused on the teachings of the apostles. How many have ever read that? Where it was about the teachings of the apostles. Amen. Amen. And then the apostles instruct uh, us to teach from their writings. They uh, instruct us to teach. Here's who do we need to teach. We're to teach new people. We're to teach young people. We're to ter- uh, teach church people. We're to teach needy people and all people. Those who are, I like to say it this way, young in the faith, weak in the faith, new in the faith, and old in the faith. Amen. We're to teach people. Right? Amen. How many know that? Some of you moms, you've been like, wow, I've been through a whole week of teaching and not anybody's learning anything in my house. Well, welcome to Christianity. Amen. That's just the way it happens. But Paul, the apostle, taught us that the older teach the younger. How many, how many have read that? The older teach the younger. Why? So that the younger can teach their generation. So that they can teach somebody else. How many know you ever learned something the, the bad way or wrong way from somebody? Amen. Somebody didn't teach you the right way. Well, I got news for you. We're in a whole generation of people that haven't learned good things from the generation before them. And so guess what? They're not going to be able to learn to know how to teach the next generation. If you didn't learn self-control and discipline and the value of work from the generation before you, amen, guess what? You're not going to be able to teach it too well unless you really go through some hard things and you go through some lessons and you learn it well. Is that right? So that's why, you, you know, you're with some people and they're like, wow, these people are out of their mind. Like, they're crazy. Like, these people don't know anything about anything. Why? Because they didn't learn right. 
Amen? And so what we want to do is be careful and very intentional in the church to teach the right principles to the next generation. Can somebody say amen? We want to teach the right principles to the next generation. Amen? This is all part of God's design. But God never intended two things. God never intended that the children lead the adults. God never intended that to happen. How many know that God never intended that to happen? Amen. It's one thing to ask your kid if he wants what we'll uh, flavor ice cream. It's another thing to ask him what identity, what he wants to identify with when he gets next year when he goes to school. Do you want to be a cat? Do you want to be whatever you want to be? How many know you don't let that up to kids? Kids need you to teach them, to develop them. They're discovering things for the first time. They want to know, is that right? Is that wrong? Is that good? Is that bad? Children are designed to be parented. And parents are designed to teach. You've got to teach the right way. You've got to be able to teach that. You can't just say, hey, I'll just leave it up to society and teach my child. I'll just let, you know, the internet and YouTube teach my children. How many know you're going to have a, a train wreck on your hands? Amen. When they get to be about 20. Amen. And so God never intended that children lead the adults. But at the same time, God never intended that children be neglected. You've got to be teaching children. You've got to be mentoring children. You've got to be fathering children. You've got to be men, uh, mothering children. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Children are not to be neglected. They do not turn out well if there is neglect. Come on. Amen. So they have to be poured into and, and imparted to. And that's our job as the older generation. Amen. I believe that. And that's our goal as a church. We want to impart to the next generation. Amen. And so our, our, our heart here at our church is that we're not just going to love young people, but we're going to train them, we're going to lead them, we're going to guide them, and then we're going to give them a vision that God has for the life and train them towards fulfilling that vision. I, I want these kids in our church, and as they come up and, and, and as they get to adulthood, I want them to know God for themselves. To, I want them to know the Bible. I want them to understand God's love for them. Come on. And I want them to have that vision that God has for them. I want them to have that Christian worldview. Amen? That's what I would like. And so that's our heart here. And so that's what we want to do because we know it's so important, don't we? Amen. A good foundation, someone said, a good foundation in formation is always smarter than rehab and reform. Amen? How many know you need a good foundation? When you have a good foundation and you have good formation, it's always, always better than trying to rehab out of something. Always easier to, as someone said, it's easier to build men than repair them. Amen. Or build boys than repair men. It's easier. Amen. To do those things. And so through God's word, we can see that he gives us a good foundation. That's why at a young age you did to teach your children what the Bible says about sexuality and relationships and true love. Come on. And about work and about faithfulness and generosity. Amen. Because they're not going to be children forever. They're going to be an adult who's supposed to teach somebody else. And if they didn't learn it the right way from you, they're not going to teach it the right way to somebody else. Amen? And then you got a whole generation of dysfunction. Amen? But good foundation, good formation, that's what the scriptures give us. That's what God's word gives us. Amen? And you know, one of the things the Bible makes it clear is that without knowledge and without vision, people perish. Isn't that what the Bible says? Think about those two things. Without vision and without knowledge, people perish. They, they become indifferent to God. They become separated from God. How many believe that? How many know that God wants to, amen, fill you with knowledge and fill you with vision? That's important to have, isn't it, as a Christian? 
And yet, what the Bible says, how important it is, is that without the knowledge of God, there'll be no vision. And without vision, then people become indifferent to God. Then they won't care what the Bible says. They won't care uh, that God is, is the ruler and creator of the universe. They won't care that God, amen, has created them the way that he's created them. They don't care anymore. They just want to do their thing. How many know that's not a good place to be? Amen. And so this is what the Bible says. And so we're to give young people that heavenly vision. And, and, or the Bible says, or the one writer says, and one author says, if we don't give them a heavenly vision, the world will lure them into spiritual mediocrity. Then they'll be indifferent to God. And they won't care about the Lord. And then they'll get married to somebody that doesn't care about God, doesn't even believe in anything. And then when it comes to their children, ah, we'll just do whatever. You know, believe whatever you want. Do whatever you want. How many know that's a wreck? <laughs> I mean, and then you just ruined a whole generation of people. Amen. And so I believe it's important to ask ourselves that what, what, what are we providing and, and what, how are we teaching? It's not so much what we're teaching, but how many know it's the way we're teaching? We'll get into that when we talk about parenting, but it's not so much what you say, it's how you say it. How many know that's a big lesson for kids to learn? It's not what you said, it's how you said it. And so in the church, it's important. It's not, yes, it's important what we teach, but it's how we teach it. Amen. And so it's what we provide and teach. And so I wanted to kind of end this point by asking these questions like, okay, so what are the needs of this present generation? What are the needs of this generation? Well, somebody said, I can tell you real quick. They need manners. They need this. No, I'm, I'm just being serious. What are the needs in this generation? What do, does this generation need to learn? What's important that our children learn? Say, well, it sure isn't being taught in public school. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, I'm asking you, what is important that they learn? Amen. So what can we give them? What can we teach them? That's what we need to be asking ourselves as a church. What can we provide for this generation? Right? Anybody? That's what we need to be asking. What can we teach this generation? Well, we can teach them to come to church. No. Let's be serious. What can we teach this generation that will put the, uh, impart something of truth in them that nobody's going to have to beg them to come to church? Nobody's going to have to text them to come to church? Nobody's going to have to like give them guilt trips about coming to church? They're just going to want to be in the house of God. Do you see what I'm saying? Amen. And the, the families that I talked about earlier, I mean, they're just in church. They love church. There's something about it. Why? They were told to. They were threatened. No. That works sometimes, but not all the time. But anyways, no, it's because they have that love for God. Amen? They learn that at an early age, the importance and value of church. Amen? The second thing I want to get into a little quicker is not just teaching, but then there's mentoring. Teaching is kind of what we're commanded to do. It's, it, we, it's a necessity. We have to do it. We have to teach people. We have to train people. But mentoring, or let me put another term, fostering, fathering, and mothering, that's, that's a hard issue. That comes from people that have a desire to love someone beyond their own children, beyond their own responsibility, to go the extra mile. How many know there's thousands of teenagers and young people in this valley who need a good mentor? They need positive role models. They don't need teachers who are, are, are getting high, you know, behind the school and then come and tell them, hey, live right. Amen. They don't need that. They don't need parents who are on Saturday night going out and getting high and drunk and everything and then telling their kids, now you need to live right. 
How many know we need good mentors? We need positive parenting. Come on. We need that fostering relationship. And you see this in Christianity. You see this all through the teachings of the Bible. There's not just like, I'm going to fill your head with, with knowledge and you're going to do what I say. Not that kind of thing, right? Teaching's great. But then there is this relationship building where I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take you under my wing. Aren't you glad that the Lord, amen, has adopted us, amen, that we've been grafted in, that he's now our father, amen, we are his children, and that spirit of adoption comes in Christ. You begin to learn how to foster people that aren't part of your family, that are totally different from you, that believe wacky things that we talked about a few months ago. They're just crazy. And normally outside of church, you wouldn't have anything to do with them, but because we're in Christ and we're one and we're family, I got to love you, right? Amen? And so that's what fostering is. That's what parenting and that mentoring we see all through scriptures. That's why the Bible says, Paul told Timothy, he said this, teach your people this. Teach them that the older, think of the older men as fathers. Think of the younger men as brothers. Think of the older women as mothers and think of the younger women as sisters in the church. And then later on in the chapter he said, be like one big happy family. Amen? Isn't that good? And that we can think of uh, other people as our fathers. And so you may not have a good father, a father at all, or a mother, or sisters or brothers. And maybe, you know, you've been blacklisted from your family. You're the black sheep and nobody talks to you. Or everybody's gone. You just don't have anybody. Guess what? You've got a whole family right here. Amen. Every, and, and wherever you go, in any church, amen, that names the name of the Lord, you have a family there. Come on, somebody. You have brothers and sisters in Christ, fathers and mothers in Christ. Amen. And that needs to be a natural occurrence, a natural thing that happens in the church. When you come into the church and you say, I want to be a part of that church, or I'm just newly saved, I just come into the Lord, or I have questions about God, amen, you should just naturally come into this, this experience of mentorship, this, this fathering and this mothering begins to happen in your life. Come on, somebody, amen. And so it's so important that we do that, isn't it? Amen. See, most of us, we believe this, and, and this is important teaching. Most of us believe that fathers reproduce sons. But according to the scriptures, according to God's pattern, fathers reproduce fathers. You're not raising people to be good kids and good listeners. You're raising adults to be functional in society, to be a blessing to other people. Come on, to, to give and not to take. You're, you're raising adults. Fathers, you're, those little kids you have, I mean, you're changing diapers and running after them and they're breaking stuff and, and you're going crazy. But guess what? You're not raising sons and daughters necessarily. You're raising moms and dads. You're raising, they're going to be adults someday. And what you put in their heart, what you put in their spirit, what you put in them at a young age is going to go at, with them for the rest of their life. Amen? That's serious, isn't it? That's pretty important, isn't it? And so we need good mentors and we need fathers and mothers and those that are going to, amen, take care of one another, look after one another. You know, what is a, what is a, a good foster parent, adoptive, what do they do? They, they, they clothe, they feed because they can't afford it, they don't have it. All of a sudden it's like as if you were just one of theirs, they take care of you. Amen. I mean, no, that's what the Lord does to us. And that's the way it needs to be in the church. When people come in and maybe they don't have family or they're just coming in new to the faith, amen, and maybe they're being rejected by their current family because of their faith, amen, they need to know that there's fathering, there's mothers, there's brothers, there's sisters. Hey, I went through that too. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to pray with you. Amen. 
Amen. Yeah, so that's the way it needs to be, this mentorship. And I know a lot of people come in the church and they're like, well, nobody did anything for me. And there's not enough amenities in the church. And I wish they had this and I wish they had that. Listen, the whole point of you coming into the body of Christ, the, whole church, the reason you're coming into a church is not to take but to give. And so the very thing you need is a lot of times the very thing you need to give. How many know the Bible says if you give, you will what? Get back. You will get back. Amen. So let's move on. So mentoring or fostering adds three things. It adds value. It adds purpose. And adds direction. How many know that's what all kids need? How many know there's somebody in your life you can point back and say, man, they gave me value. They brought value in my life. Amen. I don't care if they're saved or not. Maybe it was somebody in the military. You went to the military as your drill sergeant or somebody, or an officer or somebody in your life, a teacher, a coach, or a parent or aunt or uncle, or grandmother. You just said, man, they gave me value. They taught me, amen, self-worth. They made me feel worth something. Anybody? How many can say thank God for those people? Amen. How many know there's been people in your life that brought purpose? They showed you that it was more than just video games on Saturday and cartoons on Saturday morning. Amen. And just they, they, There's purpose. Man, to work, to get a job, to make money, to be able to invest and then afford this and pay for a family. Man, purpose is good, isn't it? How many know the devil, the easiest people that the devil chews up and eats for lunch is those that don't have any purpose. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know where they're going. They have no direction. They're just kind of living for the moment. How many know those are the easiest people to chew up? Amen. Because they don't know what's going on. But the people that have direction, the people that have focus, the people that have purpose through Jesus Christ understand, man, I've got a job to do. God's called me to do something. Amen. My life counts, amen. And so there's purpose and then there's direction. When it adds value, you add value to people. You value people. Here's how it goes. We value people, then we add value to those people, and then we live out those values with one another, then we share those values with others so that they can live in them and pass those values on to other people. And that's how it happens, isn't it? Amen. That's the process that God wants us to do. And you might be said in the church and say, well, I'm an older adult here and, and my family's gone and I don't, listen, there's tons of young people that need mentoring in this church. Come on, there's tons of young people and they, they want to start a business or they want to do this or they want to do that or they want to buy a house and, and they don't know what to do and they need some advice and they need some counsel. How many know there's a lot of people that need mentoring? Amen. So you add value. How many know greatness comes from making others great? Amen. Especially the next generation. When you focus on making the next generation great, amen, that's where true greatness comes from. And you add purpose. See, a great father doesn't make, uh, doesn't make people chase his dreams. A great father helps people chase their dreams. That's a great father, isn't it? Amen? And that's what it is. And then you add direction because our generation, really that next generation of leaders, shouldn't walk in our shadows. They should walk in our footsteps. Amen? They should just walk right behind us. Amen? One of the things I realized is that as getting older and my kids begin to have kids and a family, and I realized that my kids, as they got saved and they started to know the Lord, they, they, they might have the same Holy Spirit, but they don't have the same experience of walking in the Spirit. They needed my experience of walking in the Spirit. Amen? How many, how many can lift your hand and say, man, they need my experience? I'll never forget one time, and I just kind of, you know, really just started out, and I was home for Bible school, I had all this faith, and I'll never forget one morning, I just, you know, I started, I had a job making money, and I just, I just was in prayer, and I just like told my mom, I said, Mom, I think the Lord wants me to give everything I have, clean out my bank account, and give it in the offering this morning. She said, well, honey, you might want to think about that a little bit, and maybe just use some wisdom, and, uh, you know, because you got car payments and stuff, and, 
you know, just, just use some wisdom. Amen. How many know there's just some wisdom in that? Amen. How many know I'd have lost my car? I would have, you know, it would have been broke. It would have been good. Amen. So you need wisdom. You need somebody to help you with those. I have this big dream. I have this huge thing. I'm going to do this. And you need somebody to tell you, well, why don't you just go get a job first and then get a bank account and then start paying this. And then, and then maybe you can think about a wife, kids, picket fence, right? Amen. Right? Yeah. So, and so we need those people, don't we? And that's right here in the church. That's how we're going to do it as a church. I believe there's a lot of kids in the community. They're just not being fathered. And it's not like we're trying to replace their fathers or moms, but we can be the voice of a father and a mother in their life. Amen. Hallelujah. So my kids don't have, they may have the same Holy Spirit. They just don't have the same experience. And they may serve the same God, but they don't have the knowledge of living by his principles. They don't understand how to do it. Amen. That's why they need me to speak into the life. And so because we add value, purpose, and direction, it creates true family. It, it creates true family. How many know that? Let me, let me just wind this up today. And this third thing, I really want to uh, kind of put it all together because really you got your teaching, you got mentoring. I think it's so important. This is how the church keeps moving forward. But also the church moves forward by equipping and releasing. You know, Ephesians chapter 4 talks about this is why pastors and, and leaders are in the church is that we're to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We're to really equip you for what God's called you to do. We're here to encourage and endorse uh, what God's doing in your life and the gifts and callings that God has in your life and so that we all can, amen, add to the church, build up the church, make the church stronger, amen, so that we'll have generations of Christians, right? So you see this uh, kind of this little uh, kind of this little chain link here. There's, you got teaching, which is information. You got mentorship, which is relationship. And then you've got equipping and releasing. This is impartation. There's something about the impartation that I've received from the adults in this room, the leaders in this room. I mean, the elders that I have learned over the years, there's, there's something that they've never said it to me, but I learned it from their life. That's called impartation. There's something that just being around them, just watching them work, just watching, uh, you know, Brother Neil for years work on this building and work hard and do all those things. For years, he taught me how to call people in the middle of the night, even though they wouldn't appreciate it. No, I'm just kidding. And he just got give me this impartation of work and, and some of these other guys. Just that impartation of, wow, being a godly person, fasting and praying and, and waiting on the Lord. They never maybe said those words, but I saw it in their life. That's impartation. And that's so important, isn't it, parents? That your kids see you serving the Lord. Not like just by taking them to church and dragging them on and making them do things. But they see you doing these things. You see you're loving your spouse. Forgiving people. Come on. Being kind to people. Being loving. Come on. How many know that's impartation? And that's what we need. That's that equipping and releasing that the Bible says. This is impartation. We need to hurry along here. And I believe that in this, this, this whole thing really needs to uh, be, be kind of... Uh, centered around this point, that a New Testament church, moving in the spirit of God, of course, should have an intentional plan and process for raising up and releasing people in the ministry. How many believe that? How many have been to a church? Maybe you went to a church and grew up in a church, whatever. They had no intention of anybody else doing anything in the church except one or two people. You know, they just expected you to come, listen to a sermon, put the money in the plate, and then go your way and do your thing, right? Right? 
But how many know this church, River Valley, and, and a lot of good churches in the city uh, that I'm, I'm friends with the pastors, they're doing such an amazing job at this, that it's like, listen, we need to be intentional about raising people up, about releasing people into the ministry. Amen? How many know that's, that's a heart of a good church, right? And that's what we want. We want that heart where we're just like, wow, that New Testament order of raising people up and releasing people into the ministry. Psalms 92, verse 13 and 14. I'm going to tie this in some other time with another part of this message, but this, this kind of goes along with this today. Is Psalms 92 says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Now, King James, it says fat and flourishing, but I got offended at that, so I'm going to use the new NIV and say this. It's going to be fresh and flourishing, right? Fresh and flourishing. How can you, and being in church for so long, being older, being someone that's older or in old age, meaning you've been around this for so long, you've been a Christian for long, and how can you in your old age or your, you've been a, how can you still be fresh and flourishing in the things of God? You know how you do that? You stay connected to the generations. You stay connected to the church. You stay connected. Come on, somebody. You stay connected to what, amen's going on in the youth group, in the children's ministry, in the young adults, in the college age, in the young couples coming in. Man, you're the one that's greeting them. You're the one love, praying, praying for them and loving on them. You're the one that's talking to them and, and helping teach pre-marriage classes. You're the one that's doing that. How many know what I'm talking about? Stay fresh and flourishing. That's a key, amen. And so the older generations are not replaced. I think that's so important to understand. The older generation are not replaced. That's the whole point about generations to generations at the same time. Amen. They're not replaced, but they're reinforced. This is God's plan. That if, that if I'm coming up and I'm, I'm in my 50s and, and I'm, I'm a pastor, which the average age of a, a pastor in America is 55, so yeah. Anyways, so like, I'm, I'm, but I realize this, I'm kind of really getting old. Like, I've been in this a long time, right? And I need my kids or people, other young people, whoever, and this youth group to come up and say, you know what? I need to start getting involved and start doing ministry and traveling and preaching and doing youth camps and, and uh, you know, doing all these things that I did. That's what, that's what I need to see them do, right? Amen? Another scripture I'm going to throw out there. I'm going to talk about this some other time, but did you know this in Numbers? It gives an instruction. It said to the Levites, who were the ministers of the tabernacle and everything. They, he said this. He said, here's the instruction, that you're to serve from the age of 25 to 50. After you're 50, you're no longer to do the responsibilities that are in uh, the ceremonies, but you're to be a counsel and you're to be a consultant to, to the, the things that happen in the tabernacle. Wow, isn't that good? So God has a plan, doesn't he? God has a way of doing those things. And so we want to, amen, make room for that. And so one of the things I wanted to say that we have to really challenge in that insecurity, that people are, have been in this thing so long that they still are needed and still have this need to be needed after years of service. Not that they don't want other people to come up and they don't want other people to do what they did and they don't want to have other people be in the ministry. They want to be the stars of the ministry. How many know that's like Saul and David? Saul was jealous of David, the younger generation coming up. And so what did he want to do? He wanted to kill the next generation. He wanted to kill the next ministry that God was using in the earth because he still wanted to be the king. He wanted to be, you know, and then he got mad when everybody was singing songs about David. And he's like, no, I want people to sing songs about me. How many know that's not a good attitude to have? And we'll share about that some other time. And just lastly, in this point of uh, equipping and releasing, and that is, here's the key, that the younger generation needs to walk with the older generation until God gives them their own. Yeah. Moses and Joshua. Joshua. 
If you follow that whole story, you'll see God spoke to Moses. Moses, tell the people of Israel this. Moses, tell the people. And then all of a sudden, Joshua came along. And God began to speak to Joshua. You know what he said? You know what Joshua told, uh, you know what God told Joshua? I want you to do everything I told Moses to do. Oh, okay. Yeah, I want you to walk in everything Moses did. And then there was a day that God spoke to Joshua and he said, now I'm telling you what to do. And so that's a pattern, isn't it? God wants the younger generation to walk with the older generation and, and, and do kind of and fulfill what God's told them to do until it's their time and their day that all of a sudden it's like, now you need to be doing it, amen? But who's going to release them to do that? Amen. It's going to be us. And we've got to know that times and season that we don't have to be around forever, amen? But we want to see the younger people get on stage. Come on. I want to see the younger people preaching on the streets. I want to see the younger people go on mission trips. I want to see the younger people, amen, see their, their uh, friends get saved and start Bible studies and school and everything. Listen, I already did that. But I'd love to coach it. I'd love to be there. And I'd love to cheer them on and pray for them. Amen. How many would see God move? How many would see the church move? Keep the church moving. How many of that's your heart? Amen. Come on. Let's stand at our feet today. So what we're going to do is we're going to practice the principles of discipleship. We're going to teach and train. We're going to mentor. Amen. And foster. And we're going to, amen. We're going to love. We're going to equip and release. But there's a fourth thing that happens. And this is what I want to just focus on just in closing here today. And that is this. And that is the principle of multiplying. This is what generations, generation, generation is all about. It's multiplying, right? So what, what is multiplying? It's like you do it over, do it over, do it over. Again, you, you, you increase, you increase, increase. How many know, guess what? This principle of discipleship and multiplication goes back to Genesis chapter 1, God's heart. How many know the principle of multiplication? He said, be fruitful and multiply. Someone said, well, that's just for married people to have kids. No, read your Bible. Read Genesis chapter 1. He's talking about whatever you do in this earth, I want you to multiply it. I want you to grow. I want you to be a people that grow your influence. The co covenant grows in the earth. It multiplies in the earth. How is the covenant of God going to multiply in our generation? It's going to be when we pass it down from one generation to the next generation. Amen? From one generation to the next generation. So we're going... Going back to Genesis 1, this principle of multiplication. How I many know it's great that your, that your grandfather was saved? Isn't that great? That's wonderful. It's great that your dad was saved, your mom. It's even great that you're saved. But what's greater than that, that my kids are, can get saved. My grandkids will be saved. My great-grandkids will be saved. Come on, somebody. Amen. Isn't that awesome? And awesome? Right now I can trace my family all the way back to 1652. In England, amen, John Crandall was a preacher in England. And I traced my family all the way back. I've had preachers in my family for a long, long time. Isn't that great? And you can say that. But what's even more exciting for me to say is that my kids walk with the Lord. My kids know God. Amen. My kids, amen. This isn't something I've drug them into and I push them into and they're forced to. This is something that they have met Jesus face to face themselves. Just like, just like Moses, man, they saw the miracles. Now they're seeing it for themselves. Now they're hearing God for themselves. Amen? Isn't that exciting? Isn't that great? That's so wonderful that you had this couple that felt the call of God in their life, started this prayer meeting in this basement with their coworkers and their friends at a young age, and then they brought some friends, and then that friend witnessed to their neighbor, then their neighbor told their sister, and now you have this whole generation of generations of generations of kids that are getting saved and baptized and involved in the church and in the work of the Lord. That is so awesome to me. That is so amazing to me. That's my heart. Amen.
And I'm excited about people getting married in our church and having babies. And, but how many of you know that's a secondary plan of growth in our church? You know what the first plan of growth is? People that don't know the Lord coming in, amen, into the kingdom, finding Jesus, getting saved. That's the first primary step of growth in the church. So as the church is moving forward, guess how we're multiplying? We're not making people just like us. We're saving sinners, amen. We wanna see sinners get saved. People that don't know the Lord get saved. That's multiplication, amen. It's great that you're here today. It's great that your grandchildren are here, your children are here. That is amazing. We are so, so thankful for that. But God wants to call you to reach out and begin to reach out to other people so that their kids can know and their grandkids can know Jesus and that their neighborhood can know Jesus, their community, their city can know Jesus, amen. That's the principle of multiplication. Look in the book of Acts. It says that they use several words several times. The, 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 the amount of disciples grew increased and multiplied. You could not stop the church from growing. When they go these principles and we go this route and we go God's way according to his design and we have a heart to reach multiple generations at the same time, this thing is gonna keep growing. This thing is gonna keep moving. I don't know about you, but I'm challenged today, so I wanna see the cheap church keep moving. Anybody? I wanna see the church keep moving. Keep moving forward. Keep moving in this community. Keep moving in this county. Amen, in this state, amen. Come on, can we give God a cheer today? Say, so I wanna see the church move, amen. I wanna see the church keep moving in my day, in my generation, amen. Thank you, God.